So I thought, since it's 9 o'clock, and I know that sometimes we need to like, like turn on a little bit because it's still a little bit sleepy, right? We're still kind of affected by the time change. I thought we'd start with a quiz this morning, right? And I know you guys love tests, and I know you have been studying a lot for these, but don't worry if you have test anxiety. This is an open book test. There's no dates. There's nothing you needed to know before you came in the room this morning. You're going to see it all here. It's actually quite easy. I'm going to put up a picture on the screen, and then I'm going to ask you to respond by a raising of hand of what you see. Okay, is everybody cool with that? I can see you're really excited about this. Um, This is going well so far, so this is great. Um, All right, so I'm going to put the picture up. All right, you want to hit five five more seconds? All right, raise your hand if you see the old woman first. All right, raise your hand if you see the young woman first. Raise your hand if you didn't see anything. That's okay. Um, All right, now raise your hand if you had a hard time once you saw one seeing the other. If you can't see both, can you put it back up there for just a second, Jimmy? Sometimes I find it hard once I see like the old woman, it's hard for me to kind of retune in to see the other one on there, right? It's sometimes hard to switch it up. Like you kind of focus on the one and then it's sort of like seeing the man and the moon and you can't lock off of it kind of thing. So I think that's one of those things. Can, is that, is, raise your hand if you can see both now, everybody. That's okay if you can't. We'll put it up later. You can see it. You can spend as much time afterwards as you want. All right. Now I've got another one. So we're going to hold on just so you can put in that one. So this, anybody remember the, the magic eye pictures from the 90s? Maybe you just saw it on a BuzzFeed of things you remember from the 90s if you weren't around then. Um, I've always had trouble with these, but I'm going to put one up. If you can see what it is, raise your hand and tell us. And I hope it's appropriate because I can't see them. Maybe, maybe. What did you say? I think it is a shark. That's what Google said. Good job, Brittany. That's amazing. I have no idea. I was just hoping that it wasn't wildly inappropriate because I swear I've never been able to see one of these in my entire life. I remember one time somebody had one of these in their bathroom at a party and I was in there for like 20 minutes trying to like change my focus and my friends were like getting really worried about me and stuff like that because I just wouldn't leave, but I was so captured. I thought maybe it was a schooner. I didn't know. Uh, You can get it off there. I find that I have a hard time once I see something to like unsee it, right? Or, or to see through it. And I, what I really have a hard time is unless I've kind of like built something, I have a hard time seeing all the edges of it. Now, if, I, if I've come up with an event or if I've come up with a message or something like that, I can know it. I kind of see all the contours. But when it's somebody else's kind of drawing, when it's somebody else's picture, sometimes it's hard for me to see everything that's there. Um, this became very evident as we were building this space um, architects spent a lot of time doing these incredible drawings for exactly what this place would be like. This We've been here for three or four years now. And I remember we would go through all the drawings, we would approve all of it, and we kind of walk through it. And I remember the first time walking into this room, they had kind of framed it in, and I just had this gut. I was like, oh, no, we've done something terribly wrong. The door in the back was at a different angle. And when you first walked in, the angle, like, walks you right into that sound booth. And the drawings were there. And I remember just walking in and going, like, oh, we've got to change this. And I remember them saying, well, it's been on the drawings like this the whole time. Didn't you see? I'm like, I did. But until I kind of walked into it, I couldn't see it. And they they said, well, we can change it. It'll just cost a little bit. I'm like, okay, that's great. We're going to do that. But I find myself doing that a lot when it's somebody else's plan. Until I can, like, walk right into it, until I can kind of spend some time in it, I have a hard time seeing everything that's there. And I think that's what's happened to me somewhat with the Sermon on the Mount through time. I think I saw one side of the Sermon on the Mount and kind of missed what was behind it the whole time. I think I've had a wrong view of what was going on with a large chunk of it. Um, I tend to rest in the grace of Jesus, and and we need to. We need to fully understand that it is free grace, that he loves us, that he has paid all of it. And I think I've spent so much of my life, and in fact, so much of my ministry, the first 10 years that I was doing work with, with Young Life, and the goal was to get kids to meet Jesus, and it was incredible and exciting. 
And, and, and so much of it was kind of undoing the rules and the religiosity that so much of us had grown up with. And, and I find myself being a rule follower. If I can get a checklist, I want it. I want to just find out what I need to do and how to do it. And I rush to the execution. And when I'm in meetings, I want to get to the action steps and start working on it instead of maybe fully understanding everything that's there. And I think for so long, I've heard the Sermon on the Mount as being a checklist, this item, list of items of things to do. And I know myself, I know if I get into a to-do list, I'll start missing the heart behind things. And so I think for a long time, I would take the Sermon on the Mount, I would read it, and I'd say, that's great, but I need to remember grace, and I need to get back to this thing. I need to stay away from the checklist that sometimes hardens my heart. And so I think when I read it, I heard these things. I heard, be salt and light. Practice and teach the commands. I heard, go and do all of this stuff. Uh, I heard, righteousness, do, be right. Turn your cheek, love your enemy, give to the needy, pray, fast, store up treasure in heaven, ask, seek, knock, build your house wisely. And here's the thing, all of these things are in here. All of those statements are in the Sermon on the Mount. There is a lot to do. But I think what sometimes I miss is this was all done in response to the gospel. This was in response to the good news, the good news that we apply to every part of our life. I think I missed, because I just heard this to-do list and tried so hard to stay away from it, that I missed that it all started with the blessings that flow from the recognition that God is who he says he is, that he is the provider, that he is the father, that he is the Lord, that he is the king, that we are salt and light because of him. And then he says, so be who I've made you to be, that Jesus came to fulfill the law and then allows us to practice his commands that we aren't the ones fulfilling the law, that he did it, and we get to respond in kind to the love that he showed us. So are we called to be righteous, to turn our cheek, to love our enemies, to elevate marriage? Yes, because God was already doing all of these things, and Jesus has come to fulfill it. And we are invited along for the ride and the practice and response to God, who has done the same for us. So what about praying, fasting, giving, seeking, and knocking? Yes, all of these things were to do, but all of these, all of these things were responses to what God has done for us first. None of these were the acts that gets us to heaven or make us right with him. They are all responses to the one who has done these things, who brings his kingdom and radiates his love to the world. And so we come to our passage today, and we're going to read together Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. It's in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along or in your Bibles. Matthew 7. Chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, I think on first reading of even this passage, it's a lot like those pictures for me. I can see the one side and I can kind of miss the other. Because on the first reading, here's what I hear. I hear more to do. Because I hear, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It feels like things to do, and, and they are. They are things to do. They are parts 
that we're in there. God, the ever patient and loving father actually invites us into further relationship with him. And he says to ask for what we need, to seek him out, to knock on the door, that he wants to be in relationship to us. And so there is the ask, the seek, and the knock. And in case you didn't catch it, ASK, it's an acronym as well. So that'll stick with you for a while. Ask, seek, knock, ASK. There you go. That's a freebie. Um, But I think this also reveals a lot about God and his high, high view of being in relationship to us and in our access to him. Because when I look at it, when I spend some time with this, I start to see the other part of the picture. And I realize that I miss it so often. I can read this as solely what I need to do, the things that I'm called to do. And it's yet right there, right on the other side of that picture, just like the old woman and the young woman that are right there. God is revealing how deep his provision and his care is for us. This passage, though it lists the things we're supposed to do, reveals even more about the Father's heart for us and his desire to provide. Because it's back to his work. So let me, in fact, read it the other way. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened think this passage is much more about God and what he wants to do for us. Though they are invitations to relationship, they are part of what we are commanded to do and asked to do. The Father's heart is so deeply revealed in the midst of this. This is his work. It's always been his work, right? And, and, and there's so much of it that he invites us into, but it all started with him. And again, there's been this, this rhythm in the Sermon on the Mount where it goes from, here's remember who you are in me, Blessed are the poor in spirit, now go do. But don't forget me. It's like he knows that even in a few verses how quickly we forget and how quickly we turn back to our own innate desires to be able to do these things because he keeps coming back to now. Don't, don't forget that you need me. Now go do these things. I, I've, I've already done it for you. And, and this is before he's even given up, but he's already painting the picture of his deep love. Now go do it. And it's like even every few breaths as he's doing the sermon, he's reminding them that, no, this will be driven by me. This will be grace-driven effort. This isn't something you need to do on our own. I think he knows how quickly we put ourselves back into the middle and how much we need to be reminded that he is a good father and that he is the provider. See, it's his kingdom. And we're invited to participate in it and to practice it and to invite people into it. We're invited to reflect his light and his love to the world around us, to be who he has created us to be, to be the salt and light that he has made us to be. But this is his handiwork. It's his vision, his hope. And we're invited into a life of living it out for the sake of the world around us, that they might see his light. So much of the Sermon on the Mount has been about what we do for one another or work to do in the lives in our community with those around us and as we go through our life. But this part is something that we're, personally invited into and it's something we can take action and participate in right now Um, it's amazing how often I can read a passage that so directly asks me to do something and to be something and and actually take part in it immediately and then for me to put it off later I've been sick most of the week and then we just our house you know when you have kids it's going to cycle through these illnesses and Rachel was sick for the first half of the week we got to yesterday and it just felt like the whole week had been a waste like we some of us have been sick we hadn't done anything yesterday like the first time we kind of came up for air in the midst of all of it and it's amazing because I I was studying through this and I was reading and I'm deep into it and I've got all these plans and what did I not do it took me two full days of being sick before I thought huh 
I'm supposed to ask God for what I want in the midst of this. I'm supposed to ask God for healing. I know I'm pretty dense and I'm pretty slow in the midst of all this. And so feel good if you are too. Um, I spend a lot of time with this and it still takes me a long time to catch up to it. It's so easy to miss. It's so easy to read this stuff for others or for later or only for the big things, right? Maybe God doesn't care about this cold. It's just a cold. I'm going to go get my medicine. I'm going to go do my part. I'm going to go do what I need to do. I'll wait to ask him for the big stuff going on because you know the big stuff is coming. It's always coming. But there's this reminder that he actually cares about the little stuff too, all of it. He already knows. He's God. But yet he still wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to ask. And he wants to know, us to know that he'll provide. And he wants us to seek him out and that he will be found, that he's not going to hide from us. He wants us to actually knock on the door and have it open to us. I mean, it is incredible when you think about the God of the Old Testament, about the image of God that so many people probably carried. And to hear this God that wanted to be in such relationship with them, that we sometimes, I think I land on the side of growing up knowing that part of God. And when I forget that there is this big, scary God that so many people were so distant from, this would have been just, I think, earth-shattering to them to know that they could ask and that they were just, that God wanted to be in relationship to them. So this morning, I actually want to pause and take some time to ask, seek, and knock as part of our service together, together and on our own. I'm actually going to invite my buddy Adam to come up to the piano um, to play some kind of light music for us. And, and I'm going to lead us through a time of prayer. This is a little different. It's something... Well, different, but I felt like in the midst of reading this, there was an ask to do it in the moment, that to not miss the opportunity to actually ask and seek and knock, to be reminded of God's provision and his work in our life. So what is it that you need to ask him for? What, what are the things that you're holding on to? What are the things that might even seem so small that they don't even feel like they should pop on his radar that you need to just give him? Or maybe what are the giant things that you're too scared to ask him for? Do you need to spend some time seeking him? Has it been a while since you just spent some time in quiet looking for him? Maybe for some of you, you just need to knock on the door of his heart and take some time to let him open it. Maybe there's parts of your life that you've been needing to open to him, and maybe you just needed a little bit of space to be present before him. If you're not yet a follower of him, maybe this will even give you some time to consider him, or at the very least, some time of quiet in the midst of our busyness. I know so often we get caught up in the whirlwind of our world and just having space is sometimes the greatest gift that we can have. And this might be a little bit awkward if you're not used to quiet, if you're not used to being quiet around other people, but I do hope that if you stick with it for these few moments, that it will be a gift to you in the midst of the busyness of your life and a reminder of God's presence in the midst of all of it. So what I'm going to do is I will introduce kind of each section and give us a couple of moments with it and then just invite you to pray where you are silently for the things that are in your heart, and then I'll introduce the next section, and then I'll wrap us up in prayer in a few moments. God, we come to you this morning uh, knowing that you are a good father, that you care deeply for us, Lord, and we take some time this morning uh, to actually respond to a command that you've given us and to be able to do it in the moment. Lord, we take some time to be quiet and to be present with you. And Lord, uh, we come to you now, and we ask for what we need. Lord, we have so many needs in our life, and Lord, you know us, and yet you want us to bring them to you. So God, I pray that in these next couple of moments that we could take some time to ask for what we need from you.
God, you know that we are prone to wander and that we stray, Lord. God, I pray that in these moments we will take some time to seek you out. And as you promise, as we seek, you will be found. You do not desire to be hidden from us. God, I pray that in these moments that we will take some time to look for you and to seek you in the different areas of our life where we need you. you tell us that if we knock, you will open the door. Father, if there are some that have needed some space to consider you, and this is the morning for them to knock and the door open, God, I pray that this would be some time to do that. And Lord, for those of us that have rooms of our heart that are sealed away from you, God, that this might be a time um, we would seek you out and to open those and to see you walk through them as well, Lord. And wherever it is that we need to knock on the door of your heart, God, I pray that you'd give us some time to do that now. Thank you for this time this morning to be able to pull some time away, to be able to slow down, to be present with you, Lord. And though it is not normal for us to always do this, God, it is always good. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that as we seek you out and as we ask and as we knock, that we would see you, Lord. You promise that in prayer that our circumstances don't always change, but we always do. God, and I pray that this morning as we continue in worship that we would sense an even deeper presence with you as we move through it. God, uh, thank you for the gift of prayer, the gift of relationship with you. And we lift this time up to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for taking some time to do that as we have a chance to respond directly to the text. We don't always get the chances to do that, but I'm glad we spent a couple of moments today doing that.